0: Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me again over to the book of Acts. We'll get to that here in just a second. and I want to continue on with this um, um, uh, series I started doing life together. But what I want to do today is, you know, a lot of times I spend a lot of time in scripture and doing all that. And that's wonderful. And we should do that because inevitably we are building off of scripture. The foundation of our lives should be the word of God. Can you say amen? But today I I want to go a little bit further. I want to include scripture, but I want to go a little bit further and I want to talk about how doing life together is going to be done or what what it means what does it mean for praise chapel what does it mean for us and to bring it down to where we live because sometimes we could get these thoughts and we can we can uh, come up with uh, good you know themes for the year and platitudes and sayings and all kinds of stuff but never really have it working within our midst. And so I can tell you that this is something that is extremely important. And it's been amazing to me over the last, uh, actually probably couple years um, in Christianity, how many Christian leaders are talking about the subject of relationship and the subject of community. And the reason I believe they are is because this is really something that God's doing in the church of Jesus Christ. He's he's doing this across the board. It doesn't matter if you're from the United States or Africa or China or Russia or Europe, or, it doesn't matter. Uh, there, there is a real theme that is being talked about um, in in christianity about community and it's really not a new theme it's really not a new thought it's something that's been around a long time in fact it is the heart of god it's it's what god has been up to it's been what he's wanted to do he 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 takes a lot of time throughout scripture to talk about community, and he uses several different examples. one of the the most uh, uh, significant one is he talks about the body of Christ and the members coming together and fitting together and supplying to one another that we all have apart we all have a place we we are joined together and we understand that this is the heart of god and we understand even when we read our text we'll see how that the beginning of the new testament church begun in community it it was built in the context of community and fellowship. And and this is not something that's new, but it really is at the heart of God. Can you say amen? And the unfortunate thing is, is so often that churches will give emphasis to a lot of things, except community. Oftentimes, community gets bypassed. And the result of that, the result is that what ends up happening in churches is we tend to build very shallow uh, relationships that um, ultimately don't stand the test of time or or can't endure the crisis of life. And so I don't believe that, that was, that's what God wanted. In fact, the Bible says Jesus speaking to his disciples and he tells them this. He says, look at guys. He says, I'm just about ready to leave. I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna die and I'm gonna raise again. I'm gonna go send to my father. He's giving them the plan. But he says this, he goes, after I'm gone, he says, the way people are gonna know that you're mine is not because you have this great big church, right. not because you can preach really well, not because you have you know, some theological prowess and that you can define all the mysteries of God. He says the way people are going to know your mind is if you love one another. The love that you have for one another is going to be the identifying mark of the New Testament church and discipleship. So what does that mean? It means that God's interested in you and I connecting and he's interested in the relationships that we have with one another. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Now turn over to Acts. We read this last week. We'll read it again. Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly all the people and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved now let's pay attention to that for a moment because there's a lot being said here and in this there's some very specific things some very important things it says it begins by saying they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine now hang on to that just for a moment that is a no-brainer to us. We know that the, 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 the power of doctrine, we know that doctrine is at the, at the foundation of what we believe. We talk about it, the doctrine of the Bible, what we believe and why we believe it. And we know that's important. We know that's significant. But I want you to notice something, that it wasn't just the apostles' doctrine that they were continuing steadfastly in. It was the apostles' doctrine and Fellowship. So in other words, God in this portion of scripture is elevating the dynamic of fellowship to that of doctrine. He's saying it's one thing to have doctrine, but that you're you're missing something. If all you've got is doctrine, you tend to become religious. Amen. He says there's something that you need that's beyond that and he talks about this element of fellowship and it says in breaking in bread and prayers and we understand the power of prayer. We understand how significant prayer is to us. We understand the importance of prayer, but oftentimes we don't understand the importance of breaking bread together. Look at he's elevating these very social dynamics. He's elevating them to doctrine in prayer level. Are you seeing that? He says, then I love this word, then what does that mean? It means once they did that, then in other words, it was cause and effect. Are you with me so far? Then fear came or this reverence or this respect came upon every soul. And what the conclusion was, as many signs and wonders could be done. So in other words, there was a flow of the supernatural that came as people came together in doctrine and in fellowship, prayer and in breaking bread. And it was done through the apostles. And then it goes on and it talks about how that they continued daily... In one accord in the temple, they went to church and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food in gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. And the net result was revival because then souls were added to the church daily as should be saved. So, in other words, the dynamics of the supernatural, the dynamics of evangelism, the dynamics of discipleship, the dynamics of expanding the kingdom, all of those things are contained within the context of community. So, how do you know that? Well, because the rest of scripture, when we go and we look at the rest of scripture, we talk about this in the, in the, the example of the body of Christ. The body, he he says, you need to be joined together. You need to be built together. He says, he talks about the body relating to the head. And there's not a person in this room today that would ever dismiss the importance of us being in line with the head, the head being Jesus. But let me tell you something, you cannot be in in line with the head if you're out of line with the body. If my hand decides it doesn't want to be a part of the body, it can't jump off and run over there and sit on the chair and say, but I am still connected to the head. No, you're not. (laughs) I'm not real smart, (laughs) but I can see that. But yet every day we think that they're, see, the, I talked about it last week. I talked about this dynamic of independence and, and individuality. We think that, well, I, just me and God and my dog up on the wall of pies, we can have, no, no. That's great for private time and that's building your relationship with Jesus. But the reason that you do that is so that you can fit in a community and function in it to bring about the purposes of God. Can you say Amen. When we read the the prayer of Jesus in John 17, we get a significant view of God's desire for us. Remember, Jesus is about to, to die on the cross. He's about to be resurrected and go to heaven. And he's praying for his disciples. And he says this, listen to this portion of his prayer in verse 11. It says, I will remain in the world no longer. This is Jesus speaking and he's praying. He's talking to the father. He says, but they are still in the world. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the disciples and ultimately us. He says, but they will stay in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. What is Jesus praying? He's praying something Extremely significant, and it cannot be overstated. Jesus is praying that the disciples would experience something amazing. That they would experience the same quality of relationship with each other that Jesus had been experiencing as being a part of the Trinity. Are you hearing that? How many know that Jesus is connected to the Father? And the Holy Spirit is connected to Jesus and the Father. The Bible says, and they are one. It's a great mystery. Theologians have been trying to uh, define it and discover it for for ages. But he's praying, Jesus is praying. He says, I want them to be one as we are one. We can't miss that church. Because when we miss that, we come and go as if it does not matter what's going on here and now. Yeah. See, that's a vivid picture of authentic community. Are you hearing me? See, that's what I believe the church needs more than anything. Look, at it. we can have community and it can be a little bit shady. Yeah. Yeah. We need authentic community community. We need the kind of community that God says, I want to get involved in that. Can you say amen? Here's the big picture, and this is where I want to go. We as a church should be and need to be creating environments where authentic community can take place. So the question is, how do we go about commu- creating community here at Praise Chapel? Right. This is the responsibility of every person in this room, yes, it is. not just mine. Amen. Oh. Yes, I'm in. Okay. So how do we do that? And this is where I really want to speak from my heart to you. I really want to communicate what God is laying on me because I don't want it to be just a theological lesson and then we get. Sermonized and we walk away going, wow, that dude can preach and be not even impacted. I've been, you need to understand, I've been in church a long time and I've been sermonized. I've sat in some of the finest sermons that you could ever hear, but go completely away, unmoved by it or unimpacted by it because there was no practical application of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So how do we create authentic community in our church? Well, I wanna give you six vital principles for that. And the first one is this, and this is where I, I really wanna share with you. The first one is be intentional. Yes. Look, at community is not going to happen by accident. Right. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Right. See, there is a mindset that is a fairly strong one in society and it comes from the teaching of evolution, that things can happen that out of chaos, order can come. Uh, Leave stuff alone long enough, and it'll come together. (laughs) What? How in the world, the Bible says this, there's a scripture that says, those that are wise, they profess themselves wise, they become fools. It's like, how do you leave something alone? See, chaos is chaos. You know what you get when you get chaos? You get more chaos. Unless you do something about the chaos, it will remain. It's, it's, It's the law of motion, isn't it? Inertia. It's going to keep moving in the same direction, same speed, unless something acts upon it. But not here, when we wanna get rid of God, we come up, oh no, you can have a tornado go through a junkyard and assemble a 747. That don't even make good sense, it's not even good science. I welcome your cards, letters, and emails. There's something that happens between first service and second service. See, see, when I practice the sermon in the first service, I get froggy in the second. I'm not sure why that happens. But it takes effort. Community takes effort. 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 Speaking in a new language. It doesn't happen by chance. Listen, Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, "A man who has friends must himself be friendly." I all the time I hear people. They come to me and they, they they they'll come and they go. You know, you know. I just don't got any friends there. Hello. Have you been a friend? Right. Thank you. See, see, God says if you want friends, you got to be friendly. You gotta you gotta get out of your comfort zone. You gotta step out. You got to reach out, reach, you got to get out. And, and you know, sometimes we have to, we have to just make a decision. So what are we going to do? Well, it has been on my heart and it's been in my mind. And, and I feel like the Lord has put this on me through probably the, the last part of, of 2018 to make 2019 something different. So what we're gonna do, and you're gonna hear more about this beginning in February, we're gonna talk a lot more about this in February, but we're gonna begin what's called life groups. He said, well, what are life groups? Well, simply put, and this is, we're gonna make this simple because it's not gonna be rocket science. Life groups are just groups where we do life together. He said, what do you mean? It means that if two or more people get together and do something, that's a life group. Yeah. So if three, if three people get together and make a quilt, hey, we got a quilting life group. If two people get together to Starbucks and have coffee, we got a coffee life group. If, if a couple people get together and they read a book, together, hey, we got a book study life group. If some people get together and want to study the deep things of God in theology, then we have a theological life group. If a couple people get together and want to go ride a quad together, we got a quad life group. If a couple people come together and want to play softball together, guess what? Softball life group. You're getting it. You'll catch on. I'll keep going until you really get the momentum. All right. But it's going to be a life group. And now what we want to do is now, and this is the second part of this, because I really believe that we have to do this. Now, like I said, nothing just happens. It's not, you know, we could sit here and I could talk all day about life groups and we can hoot and holler and all of that. and We can come up with our fancy banners and, you know, all of our stuff but it ain't gonna happen unless we step out and do it. We have to put a little bit of organization to it. So one of the things that's gonna make these life groups work that make them effective and with impact is we have to have a little bit of structure. And so I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about structure and I've been thinking about what's happened. And for a long time here at Praise Chapel, we've, we've kind of been a church that has existed outside of the bounds of structure a little bit. Not, not a lot. We have a little bit. But we need a, just a touch more. Now, I don't want to create a bunch of bureaucracy. I don't want to create a bunch of rules because when you create bureaucracy, what you get is religion. I don't want to do that. I don't want to create so, much, so many rules and structure that we can't even have a life group. What I want to do is I want to create some structure that promotes communication. Set some boundaries so we know where we're heading. Okay. Oftentimes I tell people this. I, it's, you know what the difference between a flood and a river is? One has boundaries. See, a flood and a river, they have the same amount of water. One gives life, one destroys life. And the difference is, is one has a, they have banks. And it's flowing in a direction and it has a purpose. It knows where it's going. So for example, how many know this? Let me just say this. Our usher group, our usher team is a life group. Yeah, that's the purpose of it. I know you thought, those of you that are on the usher team, you thought that all we do is just usher. But no, you're together. You're doing life together. You're building friendships and relationships. And so what we want to do is bring some direction like scheduling and, you know, making some teams and ways to identify volunteers in our church and, and creating a sense of ownership. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. See, because I believe all of those things make us function better in community. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so we've got to first, We got to, so the first thing in this intentionality, we have got to create these things called life groups. we got to set, this is setting the platform. And you know what? And we're going to encounter some bumps along the way. And there's going to be some things that we go, well, we need to check that. We know that. It's okay. And we'll get through those moments, but we're going to come together. And it, there's going to be all sorts of things, things of ministry and things of fellowship and things of social and, and interest groups and all of that. And we're going to do that. Yeah. Then we're going to create some, some structure to help us guide that along so they become effective. And then the third thing that we're going to do in this context is we are really going to work at fellowship. Right on. We're going to work at that thing called koinonia, that that dynamic of the church coming together, sharing together. You know, one of the things that we do and we want to promote, and we're going to promote more and more, is every service, between every service, we have coffee and donuts in the multipurpose room. Now, we can get out of here. We can leave because we're going to have that functioning, hopefully, as we build this between service and after service. And you can leave here really quick like the building's on fire, or you can stop and take a few moments to have a cup of coffee and donut. Ah, yeah, well, you're just wanting to make money. I can't pay a dollar for a donut. If you can't pay it, come to me. I'll buy. They'll be free. I don't care about the money. What I care about is you. You want a donut? It's on me. Somebody asked me, I said that in the first service, somebody says, are you worried about all the donuts are going to be free now? Well, if that's what it takes, I don't care. But the reality is this, is that we want to promote an opportunity for people to get to know each other. Jesus said in Proverbs, a man who has friends must be friendly. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. You're going to have to talk to people that you've never talked before. That leads us... That leads us to the second principle, and it's called hospitable. And this is a tough one, because being, hu- being hospitable, being, having hospitality requires you and I to find opportunities to invite others into the routine of our life. Amen. Amen. This is tough. I don't like my routine messed up. You all need to stay out of my routine. Come on. I'm not the only one. I got a flow here, man. I got a flow. I'm, I'm flowing. I'm, I'm moving. Don't bug me. Leave me alone. But that's not hospitality. That's selfish, hostility, that's right. I like that. I need to put that in my notes, whoever said that. But somewhere what we need to do is we need to be open. We need to say, you know what, come on. Hey, let's do something together. Let's do something together. It doesn't have to be grand displays of generosity or service. Sometimes the best hospitality is seen in the smallest thing. It just means letting people into the routine of your life. It's doing life together. Rather than doing it alone, do it with somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's learning to do life together for no other reason than being together. Which leads us to the third thing be available. Be available. I can't tell you how hard this one is. See, because we're gonna here's what it boils down to. We're gonna have to learn to be spontaneous. Yes. Exactly. See, I my much of my life I have to live by a calendar because there is so much going on. And what that robs me of is oftentimes it robs me of the spontaneity of life. And what it does is it does a couple things. One, it sets people to a place where they think I'm unapproachable. And then, when somebody interrupts my calendar, it makes me feel resentful. Is this this way too honest for you? I, it always it always amazes me. I, I have people all the time, they'll say to me, right after service. Now, you have to understand, right after church service, I'm exhausted. I've preached two times, and I cannot tell you. I don't know why it is. I, it's just an expenditure of energy. It's a spiritual dynamic. And after service, I'm generally tired. And generally, what I want to do, I, this because I'm a cave dweller, I want to go hide. Right. And never, and never, inevitably, somebody always walks up spontaneously outside of the schedule and says, "Hey, pastor, you want to go to lunch with us?" And all I, oh, I, I start turning inside out. No, no, no. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want to go out with you. I'm really, really busy. And and and. God has convicted me. He's like, "Hey, you ain't that busy." Uh, and so, you know, so I've learned over the years. I, I've kind of, and I'm just being honest here. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how the Lord has convicted and has kind of put this on me. Now, now the reality is, is, and here's the thing you got to understand about me, is I can't go out with everybody. I just there's not enough time in a day. I won't have a life. But what God has said is he says, you know what, John, somewhere what you're gonna have to do is loosen up a little bit. Yeah. I'm looking over at my friend Mike over here, because Mike Mike is, Mike, is, well, I don't know, he might have, he's pretty bold. But uh, I don't know if he's ever said to me those words, like, hey, dude, you need to loosen up. But he has said it in many other ways. I've got the message. Because I tend to be kind of a uptight little dude. You know. I, I I like the regimented calendar, you know. It's like, no, I can't go out with you because it's not on the calendar. Now, I know that I have all afternoon off, but you're interrupting my program. I'm not available. I don't want to be intentional. I don't want to be hospitable. I want to go home and hide. And God is like, you need to change that. You need to be available. You need to make yourself available. You need to be a little spontaneous. The fourth thing is you need to be teachable. You say, what do you mean by that? That means this. Here here is the thing that it means. It means that the people that come into your life will have a different flavor than you. They will like things that you don't like. And you need to embrace the diversity. You need to embrace the difference with the same passion that you want them to embrace you. Right. How many remember um, a group that we, we've had here a couple times called the Down Home Family? you remember that? Okay. Well, they've recently changed their name. They're now called McEwen, and that's their last name. And, and they're actually gaining some, some popularity and notoriety in Nashville, and they're, 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 they're moving into a bigger uh, arena. Well, I've made it uh, 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 my business to really befriend the father. His name is Mac. And so I've talked with him on the phone and, you know, we've had a lot of discussions and stuff. And, and I, I've, I've made it my business to be his friend. Now, here's the thing. They are a country western group. I am a child of the 80s. I like Bon Jovi, Van Halen, Def Leppard. Those are the groups I like. You, Mac has turned me on to country. And there's a lot of good country out there. I like it. I, I've embraced it. I, I've said, wow, you know, one, because they do it really well. Yes, they do. Plus, they do. I'm interested in them. And somehow I've allowed their flavor to enhance my flavor. Right on. Good job. And you know what? He, he says this. He goes, you know what? Just for you, we're going to come up with an 80s song. Uh, just for you. for the do- And we'll put it on our album. I'm like, awesome. "Awesome." They actually have, they actually have one. It's, it's leans a little country, but it leans a little rock and roll and it's an eighties. And they, they sing some stuff. They sing some Pat Benatar stuff and they're doing it for me. And I'm like, yeah, what is, what is that? That's being, that's, that's being teachable. That's allowing myself to expand, to include the likes and dislikes of others. To be able to respect that. Not all of you are going to like sushi. Last night, Kathy and I had sushi. I had, I'll, I'll describe it, it was raw tuna, blood red, ice cold, mmm, a little bit firm. You put it in your mouth, and it's like, mmm, mm. raw flesh. People are going, "Yuck, I want fried fish." Tuna's good when it's raw. Salmon's good. Yellowtail. Yeah. Kathy had freshwater eel. And then, hey, don't even get on Mike. He Mike, he likes mussels. And I, oh yeah, we, we eat all that stuff. He said, "Well, I can't hang out with you. No, we can go to Chili's. We like ribs too. The fifth thing. We need to be forgiving. You know, the problem what happens is Jesus understood this. He said this, he goes, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus understood that when one or more people are together, somebody's gonna get offended. Somebody's gonna have a bad day and things aren't gonna work and things are, somebody's gonna get upset and there's gonna be a misunderstanding. And what we, if we're going to preserve community, we have to learn to walk in forgiveness. Having the ability to apologize and having the ability to receive that apology. To say, hey, you know, I blew it, man. I made a mistake. I said something I shouldn't have, or I did something. I was insensitive. I didn't pay attention. Whatever it might be. But then being able to say, hey, it's not a problem, man. I forgive you. It's good. We're good. You are more important to me than my offense. There you go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to protect the relationship yes. at all costs. Yes. Amen. That's what I want. I want you, not the offense. Right. We're not always going to agree. Sometimes we're going to disagree. And we may disagree very specifically, but it's okay because I still care about you. So I'm gonna protect the relationship at all cost. See, there's so many things that come out of a forgiving spirit. I think about if I could, and I'm gonna put her on the spot and I I trust that as I think I know her well enough, she'll let me do this. (laughs) Barb Barb Ulitsny. Barb and I have not always seen eye to eye. (laughs) In the beginning days, I don't even know if we were on the same planet, <laughs> let alone the same page. And that was just as much me as it was her. And somehow, through the processes of time, we had to work through stuff. And there was offense offense from me to her, and her to me, and back and forth. But somehow, in the midst of this, we have allowed the relationship to be the the important thing I don't know that we always knew that we were doing that I don't know but I do know now looking back and out of that sense of forgiveness and protecting the relationship it's saying you are important to me was birth the trust yeah. amen And that's the amazing thing about this, that that as you begin to recognize this, you see that, wait a second, when I have a forgiving spirit, when I'm willing to forgive, there is the ability to trust you. Because I know even if you hurt me, I have the capacity through that dynamic of forgiveness to absorb because you're still important to me. And we can fix anything as long as we're communicating. See, it's when we get unforgiving that we stop communicating and we shut down. And then we begin to go to work to defend ourselves against the one we care about. And let me tell you something, marriages. you could take a lesson here. Yeah. Yeah. It's through that forgiving spirit that we begin to trust. And finally, as I close this, the last principle that is so necessary is one called vulnerability. It's being willing to let down your guard and open up. Yeah. Let me tell you something. It's scary. It's risky. It's terrifying. Yet it is essential for community. Something happened Friday night. Our, our worship team embarked on, in the spirit of, of doing community, they started something new, and they're going to do this now once a month. Our worship team and their families, the, the husband, wife, and spouses and that came together Um, at somebody's house and the purpose was to just build relationship there was no particular agenda in the sense that you know nobody had a lesson there was no thing and everything they did was actually fairly common they shared some snacks together being that they were the worship team they sang some songs together and and they you know they prayed together and 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 they did those kinds of things. They prayed for one another. None of that is to write home about. None of that. Those are all very common things in church. But what happened is there was a sense of vulnerability. There was a sense of opening up, and more than that, there was a sense of sharing their life together. And when they came together in that context and they begin to become vulnerable and, and as they begin to share, I got several reports. I, I was getting texts that night while it was happening, this is off the hook, this is outrageous, this is amazing, God is here. Just things and just people and, and you know, just people came to me afterwards and said, man, this is so wonderful. And the quality, the the key or the, the dynamic that was there that, that I believe caused the presence of God to rise so powerfully in that moment was there was a group of people that willing to be vulnerable and share their life with one another. I'm gonna tell you that's risky business. It is risky business. But just like anything in life, greater the risk, greater the reward. And somehow in the midst of that context of community, God came on the scene God's presence was there to heal and deliver and set free and there was a connection made in that group that's not going to easily be broken and they're hungry for it and they want more of it and sometimes sometimes church you can't really understand the desire of something until you've tasted of it be honest with you I never and I, I say this and sometimes it sounds funny and I joke about it and I kind of ham it up but it is a very real point I never understood how good sushi was going to be to me until I tried it. see prior to trying it I was convinced it's raw fish I don't want to eat a raw fish I eat everything cooked well done but the, the, the first time I tasted it I was like wow is good and church what we're gonna do in the days weeks months to come in this year we're gonna be intentional and we're gonna set platforms and we're we're we're, we're going to set an environment for us to come together as a community but look at it can't be just me in leadership and the leaders that are on the staff that do this it has to be us This is not my church. It's our church. If anyone has ownership, it's his. Okay. I'm a part of it. And everyone is a significant part of it. And so what we have to be is intentional. We have to step out and do this. So I want you, because we're going to couple more weeks and then we're gonna move into February and in February we're gonna make some announcement announcements about some stuff about how we're gonna do this and so uh, I want you to be praying about it I want you to be thinking about it I want you to I want to sow this into you because I really believe this is where God's taking us and and I honestly believe there is some all of the staff when we come together for staff meeting we have this anticipation this expectation great things coming, that we're just on the precipice of of something wonderful to take place. And I believe this is the timing of God. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we just come before you and we thank you so much today. God, for your goodness and your kindness. We thank you that you have put this upon our heart and that you've revealed this to us, Lord, so that we can be a part of it. And we are asking you for wisdom we're asking you for direction and and that you would help us in this father that as we make these connections and do life together that you would be a very real part of it lord it says in the word where two or more are gathered in your name doesn't even say what they're doing it just says when they're gathered together in your name so if we're having a cup of coffee in your name or if we're sewing quilts together in your name playing softball in your name it says you will be there in the midst so we look for the presence of God we desire the presence of God we expect the presence of God and Father we pray that this would be a hunger birthed in every individual in this room Lord every one of our church that this dynamic would be the dynamic that would propel us into things like the supernatural and evangelism and changing our community and reaching beyond ourselves. Lord, that that the souls that would be birthed into the kingdom in this church would not be birthed without parents, but they would be birthed in a family that is coming together that can nurture them and love them, that we would not just birth orphans, but God, that we would birth children that can grow and be nurtured in the kingdom of God. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You could stand to your feet across this place. We're gonna let you go today. Our ministry team is coming right now. If you have a need of any kind, come on up, let them minister to you. Remember, tonight we have our worship night. We will be praying for needs tonight, praying for the sick, worshiping God, coming together. Remember men, Friday the 25th, At six o'clock, and then volunteers. If you can sign up, that would be a big help to us. Sign up for that, that'd be great. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.